Hello, welcome to the What's Next podcast presented by Active International. I am your host, Kareem Kanji. Today, I'm speaking with the head of the Strategy Lab, Angus McIntosh. Angus has nearly 30 years of experience in procurement with brands such as Mars and Bayersdorf. Here's my conversation with Angus McIntosh. I'm Angus McIntosh. I have spent um, almost the entirety of my career in or around procurement. I started um, many years ago now with Mars, where I worked my way through many different um, categories and parts of the procurement function, eventually spending seven years uh, leading the procurement uh, area for the Mars pet care business in Europe. I then went to Beiersdorf, which is um, the maker of Nivea and other personal care brands, and I was the global CPO there for a number of years. And for the last few years, I do a range of uh, consulting and skills building work, um, principally with Total Negotiation, whom I work with to support um, all kinds of organizations in building their negotiation skills, but also with companies like Active International in terms of helping them and their sales teams understand procurement. I wanted to start off with this. Um, I had never heard of the terms in, in my line of work of procurement, uh, supply chain. It seemed that in early 2020 with, with the pandemic, uh, the term supply chain, everybody became an expert on, on what that meant uh, and what that was all about. And you know, other terms like procurement started entering uh, the popular lexicon. So we've had the COVID pandemic. We've had environmental disasters. We have the war in Ukraine. We have uh, inflation in many countries and globally uh, as well. Um, Companies and businesses are are finding it harder uh, to get product on shelf in a timely manner. With all of this, what impact do all of these events unrelated have on the way we source product and how professionals source these products. Well, it's a it's a very important question, and it's you know, procurement is it's interesting that you say that it's one of those things that has just crept into the into the popular lexicon. I think it creeps in and out at different times, um, and there are we go through waves of um, I guess intense focus on this area. I remember a couple when, when during the financial crisis in 2008, there was a similar wave of intense focus on procurement and supply chain risk in particular, um, uh, principally centered on insolvency risk for suppliers. Um, we had, a, and also inflation, we had another wave of inflation uh, in, immediately following the financial crisis and again in 2011. So I've seen it fall in and out of focus, if you like. And right now it's definitely massively in focus. And procurement organizations are uh, are struggling. They are facing a markets which they are used to being able to treat as uh, buyer's markets where they can uh, source from multiple options. And uh, they find suppliers keen for their business and they're able to auction them and bid 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 costs down and can put them in competition with each other. And that is not the world of today at all. Um, procurement organizations are being faced with uh, kind of take it or leave it demands from suppliers who can sell their goods or services several times over very often at, uh, at higher margins. And so this is a this is a massive adjustment for them. So we're seeing uh, an adjustment in terms of the relationship with the suppliers, an adjustment in terms of internal visibility and focus, um, and uh, a, a call for all kinds of new skills and new approaches. 
That's very interesting. I, I, I remember and understanding the term just in time. There's, there's a new term called just in case. Uh, I'm wondering maybe if you could shed some light on, 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 on this meaning. Okay, so I mean, the, the whole idea of just in time is uh, has its origins in um, you know, lean manufacturing and supply chain methodology, um, and it's it's the whole idea that you run an efficient supply chain by minimizing stocks throughout that supply chain. That you you call stocks through the supply chain on a very um, uh, you know a, a very sort of information data led basis, and that you you run it extremely lean, and that has benefits not only for um, it has it has benefits not only for for the working capital and the stock value that you're holding, getting that down, um, but also it forces all kinds of positive disciplines throughout the supply chain in terms of planning and accuracy of information and everything else. So that's definitely been the um, the, the sort of the, the thrust over the last uh, few decades, I would say. Um, and I don't think that's changing. I don't think suddenly we are abandoning the idea of um, you know lean and efficient supply chains, um, but I think. I think there's definitely an element of uh, that in some particular areas it may have gone too far. We may have become um, the stocks in the supply chain may have become too thinned out, particularly where supply chains are very extended or where um, you, you, there are very few alternative sources or where where supply is particularly risky. So, um, so I think there that you will see you won't see an abandonment of of the idea of just in time and and and, and, and you know lean and uh, lean supply chains, but I think, I think you will see a rebalancing of that in certain particular commodities. You know, we we hear about you know tsunamis out in in Asia impacting factories. Um, we hear about you know the war in Ukraine and how that's impacting. Uh, the access to uh, energy, uh, and so I'm, I'm very curious. And, and there's there's many examples that that we could probably go through. Do we have to rethink sourcing and relying too heavily on one area or one market for particular product services? Um, a very very good question. I think the answer is is partly, and I think that's partly happening. But I think you have to break it down. Um, I mean, if you look at global sourcing, it's it's developed. It's partly been driven by by customer companies who. You know, up until relatively recently, had a kind of adopted a philosophy where they don't care where it comes from, um, but also partly through just industrial specialization and natural specialization, the different economies have have gone in for. Um, so you know you've seen you've seen deindustrialization in in Europe uh, with, with you know with some exceptions in the auto industry and other things, uh, the movement of the uh, the development of the electronics industry almost entirely in China, um, and so you know I think the, 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 so there's been a sort of natural um, degree of specialization of certain economies in certain things, and then you've got agricultural specialization as well, which depends to a large extent on natural conditions. Um, so I don't. I think we're going to just reverse all of that. I think it's a bit like my my previous answer. I think the I think uh, companies' in approach to this is going to be more nuanced and differentiated, and I think it depends on which sector you're talking about. So, if you're talking, for example, you mentioned energy. 
I mean, definitely, we are going to have to relocalize parts of our energy supply chain, whether that is, um, you know, you see the debate kicking off uh, in the UK or the US, for example, about fracking. You see the debate in Germany about reinitiating its nuclear power industry, whereas until recently that had the, the philosophy had been we can import gas from wherever, including Russia. So, you know, energy is definitely, to, to some extent, relocalizing, clearly, uh, the world is still reliant on oil from a limited number of regions and gas to some extent. But I think you'll see some localization of energy. If you take some technologies, I mean, we're already seeing um, Europe reinvesting in, um, you know, chipset manufacture, and wafer manufacture, which had almost entirely been delegated to, to China and the East. And that is being, uh, you know, reinvested in. That's going to take time to build up. So those two sectors, I think, are, if I look at agricultural commodities, um, not to any great degree. I think I'm seeing some diversification of origin sources for certain commodities, but um, typically they grow where they grow. And um, uh, I mean, there's some at country level, there's some there's some degree of food security policy coming in. But, um, you know, a lot of agricultural commodities um, will still need to be imported. Um yeah, so I think it varies a little bit by, by yeah. category. But yeah. Wow, not not as simple as, as I as I had hoped it would be. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, I think it is happening. If I can give you a simpler answer, yes, yeah. it is happening. <laughs> but it, it, it's it's happening to different degrees in different types of, of of goods and services. Yeah. Now, there's other things also impacting uh, all of this when it comes to procurement uh, and supply chain, and that is, you know, many companies are. Now looking inwards and you know building out their own corporate social responsibility um, frameworks, uh, ESG frameworks. What impact do you think this will have on uh, supply chain and procurement? Right. Well, I think that's that's not a, that's not new really. I mean, I think the, it, it, every year the the focus in this area just increases a little bit more. But um, it's been many years now that procurement. Uh, uh, and supply chain organizations have been, at least in some companies, seeking to, to audit and validate their suppliers' ethical standards. Um, and you've seen, you know, in the establishment of some industry standard audits covering things like um, compliance with environmental um, regulations, labor, uh, human rights regulations, and those kind of things. Those have been around for quite a while. I think what happens is that um, companies have definitely ramped up their own commitments, their own public commitments in, in, in ESG. If I talk, let's, let's talk about sustainability specifically. That's an area in which there's definitely been uh, an acceleration of public commitments. And um, and so you are now seeing, uh, and, and most companies recognize that their, their biggest environmental footprint is not in their own operations, but is in their upstream supply chain. And so there's been a, there's just an increasing focus on needing to get data out of that supply chain. Um, and, and this is where it gets incredibly difficult because that data is um, collected in some very different and fragmented ways. And I was looking into this recently. I was looking into a number of um, end-user sustainability commitments versus upstream sustainability. So, for example, if I take a, a food manufacturer, for example, and I look at their public sustainability commitments, and then I look at the sustainability uh, public statements of their suppliers, for example, their packaging converters or, um, you know, perhaps their, their raw material suppliers, they're expressed in some extremely different terms. So they're not yet, they're all starting to talk, they're all starting to act, um, but there's still 
I think, a, a huge kind of fragmentation going on in terms of, and I think it's because every every board, every chief executive or every company is looking to use their sustainability positioning as a differentiator, as a platform for differentiation and look at us and aren't we doing well and aren't we different, et cetera. So they all use slightly different language. They all make their commitments in slightly different terms. And so it's no wonder that collecting a consistent data set, which you can integrate all the way through the supply chain and say that when you've got a finished product, you know, this is how much CO2 is in this packet of packet of um, potato chips. That's no wonder that that's extremely difficult to do. Um, it, the problem, it will be solved. It, it is already being solved to some extent, but it's a, it's a huge challenge. And I think, I'm not sure whether, I'm not sure whether there's going to be have to have to be some kind of harmonization of, of the terms in which companies are making their commitments, but that could well be the case. Interesting. So here's the big question for you, Angus. Mm-hmm. What's next for strategic procurement? Well, I think I think the, 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 what's next, in a way, is, is that what procurement has to do is to fulfil um, its mission at, at this particular moment. If there's if there's going to be a next for procurement, it has to it has to fulfil the challenges that are that, that it's experiencing. Uh, right now. And it's, you know, the organizations are under massive pressure, but it's also an enormous opportunity to show, um, uh, to show their importance. Um, the, 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 in a way, the sad thing is that in, in, in 90% of cases, what procurement organizations are doing is reacting to emergent risk. And I think what this will teach the best organizations is that they need to, um, they need to anticipate that risk and do it in a structured way. And, selectively you know bring that forward to their to their companies for uh, for action of whatever kind so that might be um redesigning reformulating product to to reduce the kind of risks that 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 are in the supply chain or take advantage of opportunities um but moving from you know we're in a massive we're in a massive moment of reactivity very very high profile very high pressure um but emerging from that into proactivity I think is is one challenge, um, and the other trend that underlies this in terms of what's next for procurement. I think it's going to continue to digitize, um, and the, the I've seen all kinds of predictions about digitization of procurement, which have turned out to be wide of the mark. I think uh, another CPO told me a few years ago, in more than five years ago, actually, that in five years' time, there would be no buyers anymore because everything would be automated. We would be running sourcing events. Now, that whole world of running push-button sourcing events is fine for a world of stable supply but and, and, and ample supply. But if you're in the kind of world we're in right now, you need people who have networks, who have connections, who have relationships, who who know how to um, incentivize suppliers to invest in you for the long term. So I think we're going to continue to see digitization, but we're not going to see the um, the wholesale replacement of human um, human sort of uh, negotiation participation in the supply chain. The robots are are not uh, taking over just yet. No, they're not. And I think actually, you know, conversely, I think procurement organizations need to, one of the things I often say to to, to, uh, to CPOs is, you know, you're investing your technology in, you're investing your technology budget in some of the sort of um, 
operational administrative tasks that you actually say that you want to escape from and you're not investing technology in some of the strategic areas that you want to enter and that to me is very very ironic if, if you're going to make it if, if you have an ambition to take the function to a more strategic place you're not going to get there um, by investing in you know in back-end admin systems you're going to get there by in by in, if you want to do it through technology there's a number of other platforms and op- opportunities that I think uh, offer significantly greater potential for increasing your um, your strategic role Angus thank you so much for this this uh, discussion it's been great it's my pleasure thank you very much Power your advertising working with active international enables you to fund your advertising using your company's own products, assets, or even services. We have over 30 years experience connecting and bringing value to businesses all over the globe, helping many brands scale up into household names. Want to achieve more from your marketing spend? Contact Active International today.